0: Hi, and welcome to the Greenwood Tiffany podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Page, and in this show, we'll explore topics of sustainable living, all aspects of health and wellness, of people and planet, and how we're all interconnected. Join us on this journey to live better and more sustainably by improving our health, our families, and the world with the choices that we make. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Green with Tiffany podcast. I'm here with Seth Lightman, the green living guy. Hey, Seth, how are you doing?
1: What's going on, Tiffany? How are you?
0: I'm so good. He's on the East Coast. He is the green guru as well as the EV expert, electric vehicle expert for sure. So I definitely wanted to have him on and a good friend. So I wanted to talk cars this month and and uh, this is a great conversation to have. I'm your host, Tiffany Page. And what's up in the EV world there, Seth?
1: Oh, you know, it's busy as can be. You know, uh, people are getting ready for 2023 models that are rolling out. We know about the F-150 Lightning. We know about uh, Tesla coming out with, of course, churning out their cars on the regular. We've got Chevrolet coming out finally with uh, a Silverado to start. And then they're even talking an Equinox in the future. So there's there's a lot more choice going on, as well as Rivian is trying to up their production on a regular too. And uh, that doesn't even include the Mustang Mach-E, the, the Kia's of the world, the Hyundai's the Lexus is now talk, possibly talk finally talking about an electric car. Toyota I test drove one at an auto show but they had some issues so they're bringing that back. So it's th- more choice.
0: It's finally happening. Yeah, that's exciting. I love the Rivian actually when I see that that's a really cool truck. And when I see the headlamps in, you know, behind me in a rear view mirror, they really stand out. They're very cool. And they're doing the the SUV as well. So hopefully can't wait to see that come out.
1: That'll be exciting because yeah, um, yeah. to have a luxury SUV that can compete with Tesla on a larger scale and also provide the, um, hopefully in the future, the platforms for the uh, electric I guess you called call them sprinter vans that Amazon wants to use and all that kind of stuff. I think then they'll really start to get there. But their biggest thing is production rollout and quality control and getting it right, just like Tesla did in the beginning, early 2000s. So, you know, everybody, you got to start somewhere, you know, and that's where yeah. Rivian is.
0: You've been doing this for a long time. I've been in the car world. I was, you know, in... Lexus came out with their first luxury hybrid, which was like 2006. That was a really big deal. Um, and now, fast forward, you know where we are. It's moving much quicker right now. And what do, what have you seen from when you started to now?
1: Simply put, which is the most interesting concept, is that people are building their own electric vehicles. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I say that particularly, and Tiffany knows, so the audience will know. I wrote the second and third edition of the book for McGraw-Hill, Build Your Own Electric Vehicle. The third edition of the book, we actually had Elon Musk helped and we built a Model S. We showed the building of a Model S in 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 the book. So people are doing things that I never expected in my lifetime would occur at such the grand scale. We still have a long way to go. I still think that we are far from full market saturation, all the things that the press are talking about. I mean, you know, if you're doing, if California is finally now getting to 10% or 15%, well, they won that in the 90s and now we're here. So what about 25, 35, 40, you know, getting into over 50% of each state being zero emission, we have a long way to go. It It will not happen overnight. And then you're talking about the mandates also now for electric buses.
0: So- Seth Lightman, the green living guy, had a great Forbes article um, titled "What Leaders Can Do to Adopt Green Living," and they had information uh, in there about school buses, the diesel buses going electric, and what that would mean for um, cost efficiency and you know many other many other things. And there was information with Elon Musk and how he really revolutionized. The electric car industry with Tesla, and so I love that you were in there with that and all about you in the article.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, they were basically talking about what businesses can do to go to go green, and then they looked at the work that I did with Tesla uh, and Panasonic, uh, announcing their relationship in 2018 at the CES 2018. Plus, the work I've done with other bus companies, LED companies, and stuff like that, and. They they promoted they, you know talked about my my company so it was it was an honor and uh, a privilege and so I'm beyond grateful yeah
0: so it really shows that sustainability can definitely equal profitability you know between if you reduced your energy waste your consumption um, it's actually more cost efficient, which I don't think people really know that owning a hybrid or electric vehicle is actually more cost efficient. I think the initial thought is like, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me so much more because there's so many more components to it or so much more electrical input to it. And it's actually the opposite. It's actually more efficient and um, cost effective to own an electric
1: vehicle. Yeah. um, There are stats that show that every five years, on an electric car, not an electric bus, just an electric car, you could save about sixteen to eighteen thousand dollars every five years, and that's with maintenance and electric. So that's you know less brakes replacements, less well no oil changes, right? Right. No there's a lot of things that you don't have to do on the regular that you would have to do every five years with a car. All those five, you know, all those checks, the one year check, the two year check, all those checks that the dealerships uh, love raking in on their money uh, on you. You don't need that kind of stuff. All it is is a software update and you know, there are no real inspections of the car for emissions. So you're really talking about a lot of other beneficial savings In the long run.
0: Now, how long have you been doing this? You've been – so you're the president of the Greater Hudson Valley um, Electric Vehicles Association. Yes. I think you were doing that when I met you. So, um, like, what what do you do
1: in that group? Um, We coordinate the – we have regular outreach events that we do, educational things. We do send out emails to our membership, which is about 280 strong in the region – To start, Uh, then we we send mailers on electric vehicle blog posts that they might be interested in. You know, the winter's coming. How do you maintain your electric car in the winter? You know, those kinds of things. Like we prep people for running their car year round. Uh, I report on my test drives for everybody for the for the membership. I try and visit as much of the Hudson Valley as I can. During COVID, it was a lot tougher, but uh, now that we're out of that those woods, I focused a lot for 2022 on also improving relations in impoverished communities or communities that that need the, the help. Like, uh, And the reason in particular is I'm from Mount Vernon, New York, the same place that Denzel Washington and, and P. Diddy and all that stuff. Or Diddy, I guess he called himself Ooh. now. So <laughs> um, I was giving back a lot to – The city of Mount Vernon, just trying to get them uh, more climate aware, more involved, more uh, seeing the vehicles before people, seeing where vehicle inventories are, um, teaching about where they can get the federal funding or the local funding for it, and and really trying to empower them as a city to do more for themselves. So uh, next year, I'll be traveling more throughout the entire Hudson Valley doing that kind of stuff.
0: And I wonder you. So you were just on a little tour. You had the the Audi. Is that right?
1: Yes, I had the Audi e-tron Sportback. Yes. How was that? That was. Look, it handles and drives like an Audi. It's got about 230 miles on the range. For the price, you're kind of like questioning whether they get that one or something else, because uh, it's like a, a fully loaded it was about $89,915, eighty nine nine one five eighty nine thousand. 915, and you can get, you know, a Tesla for that with a lot more range and, you know, a lot more accoutrement than than the Audi. So um, I was taken aback, but I guess the the philosophy is you got to start somewhere. (laughs) So,
0: you know, I keep hearing that the range average is the 225, 230, 240, something, but I think. People really want a three hundred and up. Three hundred and up not is beyond.
1: Yeah, if, if you well, especially if you're paying eighty nine thousand dollars plus, you definitely want right. over three hundred plus miles. Um, and if you don't get that, it's like you're like really. Um, the other thing that I didn't like too, and you, you find this to be almost like a, and I hate to call it this, but almost like an oxymoron. But uh, the electrify America charging stations. Or the Mm -hmm. yeah that are owned by the Volkswagen Group, which owns Audi. Uh, They do not have complimentary charging like Hyundai or Kia scored with Destination Electric. But I, as an Audi person, had to pay for that charger. So it's it's kind of messed up that you buy an Audi for eighty nine grand, and then they still are socking it to you at the charging fast charger when. Other car companies are getting free complimentary charging for two years or three years.
0: That's interesting. I feel like that's such a big deal for people that we don't, that they don't know. For people kind of coming into this yeah. and thinking, okay, I'm going to save money at the at the pump. I'm not going to have to get gas anymore and I'm going to do electric. And maybe they don't have any type of way to charge it at home other than your regular, you know, level one. Right. But it's not that easy because you know even for someone like me who's kind of been in it and I have I have a Chevy Volt and thank goodness for that because I'm you know to do the full electric you know you don't know I don't always know where I'm going I don't have a set schedule each day and so I drove to Orange County which is like an hour away and I found charge point which was clear on the other side of where I was going in the building and then the app, I, it just I never got it working. I was like, "What is happening? Why? So I ended up not charging.
1: Look, I'm on the task force here, literally with the Public service Commission in New York State for electric vehicle charging stations and infrastructure, and what the problems are. So um let's just say you're not alone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad like, you know, it's it's they're alerted of this, and know oh, they're that this more is happening. Than so aware
1: there was a- the, the the nonsense that's occurring with certain apps not working to then get people to pay the full amount of money or this. It's, it's really ridiculous. Um, they do something in the village here of Austin, which is really silly is you take an electric car to this, this charging station, you charge it for two mm-hmm. hours. It's supposed to be free for two hours. Okay. So what charge point does is they first charge you like 15 bucks and then they give it back to you the next day.
0: Hmm.
1: Sometimes the next room for business error day. On that? It's just dumb. Mm. It's stupid stuff that should have been zero. Should cost nothing. Right. Like with one of my charging partners, Blink, you know, it's just zero. <laughs> it's, there's no there's no in and out. There's no accounting in and out. Uh, it's just straightforward. And those are the little things that kind of get people frustrated.
0: Well, and that's the interesting thing because here in California, in Los Angeles, I mean, Teslas are like one in three cars out here. And I don't think we have the infrastructure. And so.
1: No, no you don't. You think you do. They might doubt that they do, but they really don't. Uh, and what I mean by that is really simply uh, th- th- it, uh, there are charging deserts. And what that means is there are places where there just is not a charger for miles. That doesn't happen with gas stations. Right. Number one, number two, it happens sometimes in the worst places. And what I mean by that is, for you all, it wouldn't be in South Central. You know, it, it, there are no chargers in South Central LA, but there are chargers in Beverly Hills. So it's a, a huge economic as well as access uh, disparity that that occurs, and this is predominant everywhere. Why I gave back to Mount Vernon last. This most of this year. So um, there's a lot of that. A lot of those issues are still needing to be resolved, even as the Biden administration is putting in charging stations. We are far from resolving this issue.
0: I, yes. Well, we have a proposition coming up uh, that people are voting on tomorrow, Prop 30, which is to tax uh, people who make over $2 million, and that money. Is supposed to help go to charging stations and wildfire prevention. And you know, that might sound like a lot of money, and people are probably like, yeah, let's do it. But to be honest, $2 million is not that much money here in Los Angeles. I mean, uh, average house is like $4 million. And I'm asking, like, well, what are they doing with all our property taxes in the first place? And there's already money allotted to go to these charging stations. There has to be because they're fast tracking this. So, I'm just curious to see how this is all going to play out. Because in theory, it sounds great. This is where we want to go. We want less emissions. You know, we want to drill less. We want to do all this. And yet, I just sort of feel like it's not in the right
1: place yet. Let's just say it's not pretty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I drove to, um, where did I drive to? I drove to uh, Arizona, like Phoenix-ish area. In my Chevy Volt, so of course we ran out of charge um, driving there. It's like four or five hours, Uh, and then the hotel had a charge point, so I was super excited and you know plugged it in at the night in the night, and the next day you know of course fully charged. But charge point doesn't allow you to keep it charged overnight, and they charge you for that. And it's in the hotel parking lot, so. There's just like people not speaking or not understanding. Um, There's just not enough training. So it was like $80 to charge the car. I was like, that's absolutely unacceptable. Oh gosh. So I called and I got it worked out, but the hotel didn't really understand because they had some kind of like little like, I don't know, little key-ish thing that's supposed to translate to the charge point so that you get it for free because they, they charge point put it in. As you know, for the guests, kind of thing. And anyway, nobody knew what was going on. And I thought, this is really, this is not great. This is not a good setup. It could be a good setup because it's there on the property. But um, just like you said, like they chose. There's no intelligent, you know, there's not, in not the an intelligent
1: communication system. And I do not blame exactly. that on the hotel because the hotel is able to deal with almost every booking that comes in from all these different platforms all over the world, all over the country. Um I, I blame that on on ChargePoint. Their their software is that's not true. as intelligent as they're purporting it to be, um, which is uh, again part of that that struggle that we all face, um, and that we're w- wanting to to make every experience as easy as Tesla owners, uh, and that's really what it comes mm-hmm. down to. We want to be able to charge our car. As, t- as Porsche's advocated for and as Tesla does, does, we want to seamless charge your car as fast as possible, just like we do at a gas station, and move on. And that's really where it needs to go. And I think inevitably it'll get there. It's just going to take some time. And it's not going to be as seamless as people think. And it's not going to happen as rapid, uh, especially if only states that have zero emission vehicle mandates and not every state has it. They're getting 10 to 15 percent maybe of cars being electric. And you know, we're we're trying to go towards a hundred by twenty thirty. <laughs> it's like, you know, the motion is away from the reality of the goal. So I just keep pushing and know that we have a long way to go and remain optimistic because look, in on my lifetime and when I authored my second edition of the book build your own electric vehicle. Never in my, I never expected it to do, to go like this. So I'm beyond grateful.
0: Well, that's exciting to know that, you know, that we've already come further ahead than we thought, but we still have so far to go. Do you have an electric charger out there that you like using?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a couple I do. I do like Destiny, uh, the, 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 the electrify America, the, the VW fast chargers. Um, they're a little more expensive, mm-hmm but at least they deliver the electricity faster. Um, And I think that, frankly, they should be putting solar and energy storage everywhere to make it as profitable for them as possible um, and make it literally a microgrid situation. They can get FEMA money to do that, for goodness sakes. And they know that. So I'm not saying anything that's new. Um, Because microgrids are funded 100% by FEMA so that when there's a disaster, they have someplace to get electricity to generators and things like, or to emergency vehicles or anything of that nature. Uh, that those are the, they need electricity. So you need a workstation, a place to help get the community back online, you know, that kind of thing. So that's one thing that they could be doing. Um, I, so I like electrify America. I like Blink because they're trying to be faster uh, with their charging as well, at like Electrify America. I, I do like at home a Blink charger, but I also do like ChargePoint at home. I think it's more intelligent for home charging than it is for public charging. I think that for home chargers, I've seen a lot of people buy them and quite happy. The only thing sure. is, and people should just be aware, is it's not going to supply the electric car Faster than certain chargers. So, um, you know, it's how fast you want that car to get juiced up or filled up, how quick you want the tank filled up. And some, you got to be cognizant of how much electricity goes through the pipe to your car. And you need to read that stuff. And any questions that people have on, about this stuff, I'm just going to say it. Email me at greenlivingguy at gmail.com, greenlivingguy at gmail.com, or go to my website greenlivingguy.com and I've got literally over 7,000 posts and we got plenty of them focused on these questions and about electric vehicles as well. So I'm here for y'all and I've known Tiffany forever. So I say, I say, you know, anybody who's a friend of green with Tiffany is a friend of mine. So literally I'm saying, like I would say to Tiff, here's my number. Here's my email. (laughs) Call me. You know how to find me. You know, what's up.
0: Well, thank you. That's great. I don't even remember. I don't know where, what event we met at. It's been so long. I've just known you for so long. I don't actually remember where, where it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just been a big topic. I'm, there's a tour going on the Electrify Expo. Um, it's a five-stop city tour. It's been great. And you can actually drive the vehicles. They even have Lucid there. Um, And Lexus doesn't have anything to drive because... that's
1: another car that's coming out too. But Lucid, you know, again, is still having to deal with their production issues, just like Rivian. So, But they're a gorgeous car. Do not get me wrong.
0: They are very pretty. Well, that's the thing too, is because, you know, now people, they want to go electric or they want to at least step into some kind of alternative fuel vehicle, some aspect of it. And they're not really that readily available for people. So... Um, you know, it's kind of this weird push-pull and then the gas prices are going up. So people that weren't even thinking about that want to go that direction. And so, yeah, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. It's
1: a very interesting dynamic right now. NBC News was about to interview me about this exact issue, which is about accessibility of electric cars. And there's not many out there. Right. In fact, I did a vehicle inventory report Excluding Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid, for my uh, for the community, and my, even my outreach director was like, "I don't know how long the last time this was updated." It just looks sparingly, and I like, "I reported it was at, it was it was updated yesterday." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right. So you know, um, and we, it, which is crazy, but believe it or not, the sunnier states have more access to electric cars than does the Northeast. So if you were to look, there's a chart I'll send to you that you could post for your audience on consumerschoice.com. And it shows all the 50 states and it's color coded. And it shows which ones have the most accessibility to electric cars and which ones don't. So Florida has more than New York.
0: Well, that's bizarre, though, because... New York is a ZEV state, the zero emissions vehicle state, and Florida isn't.
1: I I hear you. That just
0: doesn't even make any sense.
1: But all the Tesla owners that wanted to buy Teslas, buy those $100,000 rear wheel drive cars, felt more comfortable about doing that in Florida Mm -hmm. than they did in upstate New York. So more supply came to Florida because people were buying them. Mm People would just, you know, a lot, people in South Beach that just wanted to have that Tesla, right. they go to, the, 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 you know, these kind of people that we're talking about, early adopters, they just walk into a store and they drop either a check or they've got in cash or they, 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 you know, or they, they say, I'm doing zero down, I'm financing it, and then they pay it off. You know, uh, and that some people I knew, uh, had I had heard of invested the exact same money that they bought the Tesla into Tesla stock and then they the Tesla stock basically paid for the car.
0: Wow, that's clever. didn't think of
1: that Because of the appreciate because of the appreciation of the stock. So you're talking about a lot of people with a lot of disposable income, a lot of people that maybe have been from New York, but what do they do? When they retire, they, they go, go to Florida. Florida
0: <laughs> well, I think other people are also a little concerned of having an electric vehicle on the East Coast, where there's weather, snow. They're concerned of how yes. it, how the what the different way they have to take care of the vehicle.
1: Um, I can tell people, and people just need to be cognizant of two basic things um, when when they're thinking about an electric car. And then I'll get to the winter side of things. Okay, uh, one a gas car. At its best efficiency, is about twenty to twenty five percent of the energy that goes into the gasoline that powers the engine and gets everything actually moves the car. Right? When you have an electric motor, you're talking about ninety three to ninety seven percent efficient. All that energy goes and delivers to the car. So you're already dealing with it about you know hundred miles a gallon, as they report some Sometimes when you're you know driving it, or ninety nine point nine nine nine. You might get on your Chevy Volt when you're zero emission. And when it, it's colder, yes, it, it does deplete, but it's not as extreme as even the cold starts are with your gas car in the winter. So, you know, you turn the gas car on and you heat the car up, right? You heat the engine up because you do not want to get into that car cold. You do not want to put those hands on the on the steering wheel when it's you know, negative 10 below or five below, or even if it's fifteen degrees, and you don't want your, you know, you don't want to put your hands on there that's cold. So you warm the car up, you pre-warm and all that stuff. All that energy and all that, that that gas and all that stuff, you're dealing with about a 20% efficiency. Again, with an electric car, you can have it plugged in and you can do a preheat, as they call it, and it, it's 97% efficient. So and you're plugged in so you get out of the car like you get into the car. I'll leave you with this. you unplug. So you're fully tapped up. Anyway, you're fully charged up and then you unplug and your car is completely warm and you take off. So there is no energy loss as people think as there is, but it's about 20 to 20% and 15 to 20% energy loss. But when you're dealing with, again, a car that goes 99.99 miles per gallon versus a car that gets you 20 to 40. An electric car is always going to win, even if it degrades a little bit in the winter.
0: Right. Well, I think, so coincidentally, you talk about the cars being allotted to these sunny states. Maybe that's true, but I i wanted the Chevy Volt. I've had, this is my third one now, and I just, I love it because of where I live. I don't have a place to, you know, always plug in. So. I couldn't get my hands on one here in Los Angeles. And if there was one available, it was actually a lot more than it should be. And so I found one in Rochester, New York.
1: Shut the front door. Yeah. Are you And serious? I
0: feel that I don't think they knew how valuable it was. And so I bought it and had it shipped and that was still more cost effective than how much they were coming, you know, coming out for here in Los Angeles. Yeah. But what I yeah. didn't think, because I, you know, I was born in New York, but I grew up in Los Angeles. And so weather to me is only when I go visit certain places. And um, I didn't think to check underneath the vehicle, right, for, you know, any kind of rust or any kind of thing. And there's a little bit, there's a little. I don't think it it plays a role in its capabilities or, or how it's w- running or working. But I feel like, you know, for people new to this, world who want on the, you know, in a East coast or places where there's snow and maybe they're not garage kept vehicles, you know, what, what should they be looking out for? Because, you know, if they're keeping it outside, then I mean, I guess any components underneath can rust, right? It doesn't have to be electric, you know, it's yeah I mean they,
1: they, they can rust. I mean, it happens in any undercarriage, especially if there's salt, it's just going to happen by default. But, um, they say ocean salt erodes, uh, can erode a car. From Florida, so you got to take care of your car, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, and if it's rusting, you might want to keep an eye on that or get it fixed. You know, you you don't want to leave that out there. But I think the more people get into these cars, trying them, trying actually now more of the used inventory that's out there, uh, I think that people are going to start getting into it. And mind you. Still, we don't even have the vast percentage of people even buying hybrids. I mean, yes, we have millions of hybrids out there for four. Okay. Even if Toyota sold 14 million Priuses or Prei or whatever they call, <laughs> call it, reality is we have billions of people in this world. So we are hardly scratching the surface. Again, um, I think that we're really making strides, as I've said before, but it's this issue of supply and demand, creating, creating a new industry, which is basically um, increasing extraction of minerals for batteries, um, and also in America, too. Um, look, folks, if you're listening to this in America, we have deposits of lithium. And, and, and I'll give you how much we have deposits of lithium. Um, we have so much. I think it's about 83 million tons of lithium. I think it's something like that. And Tesla at the most over five years will take 530,000 tons over five years. So we have a lot of lithium in this country. And the question really becomes, are we going to extract it? Or are we going to go and try and extract it from somewhere else and make the cost of producing batteries more, or are we going to extract it here? and make it a lot cheaper. We've got a lot of uh, opportunity in Wyoming. We have it, believe it or not, yes, in the same place where they were doing coal, North Carolina. There's access to lithium. So there's deposits of it all over this country. And the problem is we don't want to extract for it, but, and I understand there's that concern, don't get me wrong, but do we want to extract from it from China and Chile? Or do we want to extract it from here for American jobs, make it here, and make it as more environmentally sound than you would get it out of uh, China or Chile?
0: Yes. The question is, will we do it in an environmentally sound way? I think, you know, it's always like the quickest, easiest, cheapest way to do things is how we go about doing things.
1: I think we have some stronger, well, first of all, the, the, the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada, is taking all that lithium and making the batteries there. It's a very sound, environmentally sound place to do that. Um, the extraction of it is not as bad as people think. It's not like as horrible. Um, it's more of a dust issue um, because you're, you're, you're digging up dirt and stuff like that. Um, and there is um, a slight, I'll admit this, a slight, radioactivity afterwards that we have to be aware of, uh, but it's mild, it's extremely mild. It is far from nuclear and then it is far from anything, but it is a reality. It's something we that happens when you make lithium either in Chile or in China, or if you make it in the United States, there is a, a, a radioactivity. It is not as uh, weapons grade and it's not even dirty weapons grade. It is very low level. But it's something that we need to be cognizant of, and how are we going to uh, clean that so that it is not radioactive? Of course,
0: that's a big deal. And that's probably, you know, that's a cumulative thing. So if you're mining it in the same place and it's, you know, all condensed in one area, I don't know. That's a, a good point. These
1: are all the questions, literally, that we're facing right now, literally, you know, like the... It's either that or are we going to refine for oil and drill for oil?
0: Right. Like, what's the lesser of, of two evils? You know, what's the, you know, here's here's the presentation and there's always this gray area and which one ends up being better ultimately? And can we get it to be very clean at the end of it once we...
1: Yeah. And I'll just report and just so people are aware. And this is something that I reported, Elon Musk stated and the Wall Street Journal then verified. And report it themselves. After you make an electric car, it becomes carbon negative after two years.
0: Even with the battery that you might have to dispose yes. of down the, down the Everything. line? Everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything. Two years. Two years of 12,000 miles, 24,000 miles, that car goes carbon negative. So and then I ask the next question, does any gas car do that? No. So with all the stuff that's considered bad about electric cars... Um, they probably said when we were all riding horses and buggies (laughs) and we were then going to gas, you know, so folks like gasoline will never, you know, they probably said back then when there were horses and carriage, gasoline will never happen. (laughs) Gas cars will never happen. Now they're saying electric cars will never (laughs) happen. So it's, uh, it's, it's things like that. We need to be all aware that change comes. It's never easy. And my job is to try and make it as easy and smooth as possible and try and educate people.
0: Do you find, so when I talk to people, I'm getting a lot of people who approach me and ask me that are not necessarily green people. They don't, um, they're not really too, let's just say they don't care too much about the environment. They're looking to save money on gas. Right. And so that's why they're looking to now maybe transition into something different. Do you, Find that as well with people you talk to, that that that's a growing market because I know that the other thing, you know, is especially right now is it does cost more to have an electric vehicle, and then on top of it, you know, they they're selling over sticker. So if you weigh it, you know, is it more? practical to have that and in the long run if you keep it for over a certain amount of time then obviously it pays for itself kind of thing between the yeah well but um, i'm just curious to know if you're finding people who are just looking at it from a standpoint of just
1: you know their wallet absolutely all the time originally people used to give me the economics of a hybrid doesn't make sense right nowadays you can get a, a hybrid or a used hybrid there's a four thousand dollar tax credit um and uh, which was never there before, was was there before, but not really there before more um, came back. And so it makes it cheaper and more cost effective. The electric one, the $7,500 tax credit is there. It's only for American based cars. So Tesla, Ford and GM went went out. Uh, all the imports do not, but if they make it here in America, like Hyundai builds their a lot of their electric cars in America, the tax credit, believe it or not, could work out. Because they have a plant in Alabama. Big one.
0: What about assembled? Assembled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That assembled. That that that's what I mean. Like you can have the parts come here. And as long as it's assembled in America, made in America, made in America, that's when it all works out. That's when you can get the tax credit. So but a lot of the companies don't do that. The Audi e-tron was made in literally in Germany. So, you know, the, the, no dice, no good, <laughs> no good. So, um, but a lot of people that I I know that at least that are early adopters, conservative and interested in doing it for economic standpoint or something of that general genre uh, of, of topic of conversation per se. I, I think that, that, that people at that level, also like it for the performance, the speed, the torque, the handling, um, the steering. It's different than they've ever experienced before. People like it because it's you know it, it looks more tech-oriented. Some people like it because, and then there's people that like it because it saves them a ton of money because they plug in at home, okay? Con Ed has a deal here where if you charge that electric car after midnight, right, from 12 to 5, I think it is, Midnight to five, you pay 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Well, for 100 kilowatts, that's 10 bucks to fill up your car. It's great. So there's a lot of benefits that people don't realize if you just look at the numbers. And if you have solar and if you have energy storage, you could probably be charging up for zero. If you charge it off of your energy storage, you're charging. That's a-
0: exciting. You have the Tesla Powerwall, yeah?
1: I have two Powerwalls and Tesla Solar. Because I could not, in in good conscience, before I get the electric car, pay any more Con Ed. I I just could not pay Con Ed uh, with rising electricity prices and natural gas prices. It it was getting astronomical, and it actually was hurting my budget. Uh, So when I did that, I saved my budget. My budget started to uh, become more stable and more advantageous, especially with tax credits. The solar tax credits really... We're, were very beneficial.
0: There is really a lot to load. No, I, I mean, I'm really. That's why I'm kind of having this month of talking about electric vehicles because while I've been out there, the questions I'm getting, I thought people knew a little bit more than they did, and of course, some do. But people coming to me are asking a lot of questions, even as something as simple as the kilowatt and the RX that you have is just such a fabulous vehicle and we have the new RX redesign coming out for 2023 and they're coming out with a uh, the RX 500 H. I don't know if you've had a chance to drive this. So this one's interesting because it's a four cylinder turbo. So this one I did drive and it doesn't feel like a hybrid. Like, so you don't have the little switch off of gas to electric, like it doesn't feel different. It's a very different type of hybrid. So I thought of that when you talked about the Audi and the performance and the handling. Um, so there's not a lot of numbers out on I mean, we don't have a price. There's no price on it yet. But, um, but you know, I'm looking RX, forward
1: to that. That'll be exciting. Yeah. For drive. We'll have it's to amazing. take that for
0: a spin. Yeah, you no know
1: me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. That'll be exciting. Yeah, Lexus is really trying as much as they can to do what they got to do for, for, their, for their market base. Um, I can't wait till they come out with an electric, but... I love their hybrid. I love that the car. RZ, the
0: RZ450E coming your way in February.
1: Oh, that's going to be great. That'll be exciting. So I, I think that there's a lot in the electric vehicle market coming up for 23, and that's what is exciting, that every year it gets better. You know, we think this was a blockbuster year for Tesla and everything and Elon taking over Twitter, but now, you know, we get next year, which... Is only going to have more supply of invent of, of cars than we've ever had before, you know, electric cars. So it, it, every year it gets better. It it really does, and it's exciting. It's exciting. That is exciting.
0: Do you have uh, three tips, either in the car world or something? I don't know that you can give listeners. Well, I'm going to give oh, you, you
1: was... three home tips because everybody nowadays is either telecommuting or or this or that. So I'm going to give you three tips that I've had to deal with that I'd recommend for you to do today. Number one. If you're at home, get yourself LED bulbs. Uh, if you have compact fluorescent or incandescent bulbs, I want you to switch them to LED. They'll save you a ton of money, and it's the lowest hanging fruit. And as Ed Begley told me, once you switch LEDs and you see that savings on your electric bill, you're, you you just it's your gateway to want, drug to wanting more, and you're just wanting more <laughs> and more savings over over and over and over again. So I suggest that. The number one, se- number two thing is whether you're in a hot or you're in a cold area or whatever, most Americans have an attic that's under-insulated. So go get yourself your roof insulated as much as possible. Whether you're in L.A. and you need it to protect you from the sun, or you're like me where it's about to turn 48 tonight and you need it to protect you from the cold, you still need insulation. And most homes in America that are not new-built but old right? That we buy those used homes uh, are under insulated because nobody goes and buys a home and says, Oh, I'm going to add more insulation. Most people don't. They just don't. Uh, But number three is get yourself either a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or an electric car. If you don't want the plug, go for the hybrid, try it out. Love it. You're going to start to realize how amazing it is. And then you're going to want to go plug in hybrid. And then if you go plug in hybrid, go electric and you'll start to see the savings come and you're going to start to realize how amazing it is. that then we're really not trying to get you to do anything bad. <laughs> those, are, those are the three things.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's really now something for everybody uh, as far as lifestyle and what works for them, as far as being able to plug in or not plug in, but you know, you can definitely step in and get, uh, get going. So that's exciting. So, you know, I didn't ask you is so choose to care. That's my that's my motto. What started you to choose to care in the first place? I don't actually even know that story.
1: Oh, sure. So um, I had started out, got my undergrad in University of Albany, and uh, was getting my starting off to get my master's in public administration. And we were doing a simulation of being like governments at at our orientation. So we got together up as teams, and we. Uh, the goal was to have the country to be the best economic, the best energy, the best health and the best, you know, overall income. So we won um, and we definitely improved the environment and made it all energy. But we were, I was getting grilled by this person saying, well, how are you going to do it? And this and that. And I, when I started realizing there were more questions that need to be answered I started digging into it and I started realizing um, when I got my concentration in international development, how the World Bank and the IMF were doing some nasty things to put coal burning power plants in places like China and other parts of the globe. We needed to be getting to more um, renewable technologies. One thing I never told you as this question comes up, part of my master's thesis was on the World Bank. So I was able to meet literally the guy who... um, in the World Bank, who was the project manager for China's coal-burning power plants and got to be able to, to have a very heated discussion with them. And I started out by saying, what are you doing? What What are you doing? Do you realize what you are doing? And back then, the argument was, well, wh- why not solar and wind? Well, it's too uh, costly. Well, look at it now.
0: But now, yeah. And haven't they closed all their coal-burning plants for the most yeah. part? Look
1: at, me, look at them now. It's a long- You know, as they say, as Jerry Garcia said, "What a long, strange trip it's been." But once I got there and I started pushing and realizing how bad it is, that's when I said, "I got to get into this."
0: Well, I thank you for continuing on um, because there's been such a big change in the last decade, right? It's really kind of on a fast track, which is
1: exciting. You would think we'd be here. Did you really think we? I mean, in 2000, did we even think we'd be here? I mean, it's like, wow. Wow it's just mesmerizing so uh, we have a long way to go though and we have a lot to do but working with Green with Tiffany and uh, and Green living Guy working together we're gonna we're gonna make some waves
0: yes gotta keep them on their toes to get things moving that's efficiently right. for us that's for right the... well I thank you for joining tonight and thanks for the oh chat. my God it's, I... it's,
1: it's a pleasure it's always great talking with Green with Tiffany um I, I've known her for so long. She's great people. So anybody who's a, a, a listener of Greenwood Tiffany is a friend of mine. So
0: thank you so much, Seth. You can follow Seth at greenlivingguy.com, Instagram. Very, very busy on Instagram, Green Living Guy. And so um, yes, we'll uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. I'll probably be at the New York show. So check yeah, in I'll with me there, maybe.
1: I'll be there. Um I um trying to get out to Cali, but I'm uh Life is having me go to Texas right now. So, having to deal with the with family, but uh, you know, um, I, I, we know who knows what 23 will look like. There's a lot that I'm launching, so I might, probably will get out to California soon enough.
0: All right. Well, I hope to see you in person when you do. Thanks for joining Seth, the Green Living Guy, and I thank you for what you do. Electric vehicles, they are our future. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to me. You can find me at greenwithtiffany.com and on Instagram. Till next time, choose to care.